because he first loved us, right? 100%. Amen. And so that's, that's this pursuit of real love. And, and in fact, in First John, it, it talks about real love is the kind of love that, that comes from above. Real love is the love that the Father has for us. And so that's, that's the, the real love. But then how do we express that love towards others? And so I'm going to, I just want to kind of get us started in this, this conversation this morning about loving the lost because we could go in, in several different directions as we talk about loving the lost. You know, what does, what does loving the lost mean? And of course, you know, we could fold in the last couple of weeks of conversation, loving difficult people. And, and loving lost people in that sense. But I feel like we've gone down that road uh, and, and fleshed out a lot of that conversation. And so there's an aspect of love that compels. Right? There's, there's an aspect of love that compels us to action. And really, if you boil what love is, love is an action. And, and this was, you know, even part of what we had addressed last week was was that love is not an emotion. Love is not uh, is not merely just something that you feel. That love is a decision, and love is an action. It's it's a verb. In fact, the word love, uh, if you're if you're breaking it down in a um, linguistic into linguistic terms, we see that love is a verb that that it requires action on our on our part. And so to really love the lost, it ought to compel us to do something for the lost. And so um, this is where I want this conversation to land today is, is what do we do uh, when we really love the lost? What does that mean for us on, on our end? Um, how can we express love to those that Christ is drawing, uh, Christ has already began to draw them? I think it's important to... to point out at the beginning too there's a difference between the idea of loving the lost and loving the lost because there's the idea of loving the lost where everyone says you know i love the lost i don't want anyone to go to hell if we don't have a relationship with people then there's no love there right it requires a relationship so there's a difference and we're going to set the tone early is that if we love the lost we have to have some kind of relationship with them we can't say i love the city of kinderville and i never go talk to anybody in the city of kinderville it's impossible to love them unless we have that relationship first. I think that's so important. In fact, as as a church, this is something that we tried to be intentional about within this past year is is getting into the community where we are at. I mean, we as a church are here in uh, here in Kinderville. We're part of this community. Uh, I believe that God has called us to reach this community. Uh, I understand that you know even sitting here right now that the majority. Of, of the people here, as I look, as I look around this, this room, you do not live in Kinderville. Uh, that the vast majority of you do not live right here in Kinderville. But yet, I believe that God has called us right here in this city to reach into this local community. And we ought to, we ought to be a light to this, this local community where we are at. And in order to, to do that, one, one piece of that, is let's get involved in the community. Let's let's get invested in the lives of people, so that not not as a marketing ploy, not as a not as a sense of saying, um, "Hey, look what we're doing." Um, you know, we 
uh, we, we love you or, you know, we see you. Um, but in the sense of like really being intentional about building relationship. And so last summer we did something a little different. Uh, we, we took, uh, we took that, that one Sunday and we called it Serve Sunday. Anybody, uh, remember Serve Sunday from last, last year we did that? Uh, so we have some of those plans, uh, still upcoming. Uh, I, I, I was impacted by that, by that day because this is what the church is called to do. We're called to connect to the lost. We're called to connect to the community. And we did that by connecting to different ministries, organizations that are already established here in, here in our city. Um, I guess even outside of our city, we, we did, um, uh, Noble House as well in Albion. But, uh, th- this was a way for us to, to connect to, to the people who they are, they are reaching. They are, they are already having an impact. And, and my desire in that, um, was for that to not just be something that was a one day thing, but that it would put something in us to say, I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I liked getting involved and I, I see somebody who now I can connect with or that I can partner with them. And so the, the, the hope was let's, let's get involved and let's begin to, to serve our community. Uh, but then let's allow this to be a connecting point where, uh, or jumping off point maybe for some people in our, in our church. And it, it did become that, which it, that encouraged me. That I, I saw the follow up in different individuals in our church that you stayed connected with some of these ministries where we went and we served. We had inspiration ministries is probably one where we stayed the most connected since that time. And, uh, and we've seen the, uh, uh, that continued ministry, uh, in that capacity. We saw it with life and family services, um, uh, and, and I'm, I'm kind of going down some rabbit trails here, so I need to bring it back. But this is, uh, this is what we are called to do. We are called to reach beyond the walls right here in this, in this, in this building, right? We are, the, our love ought to compel us to go. Our, the love of, the love of Christ ought to compel us to go. And, and that means that, that we can't be comfortable with just saying, my duty is to come to church. My duty is to, to come into the building and to, to worship God. Yeah, that is, that is what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a worshiper. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I should be here when the doors are open. I should be here to, to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to be able to minister to those who they, they are here in this place. But love compels me to go. And there's a difference too. We, in that scripture, it says, And the Lord said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be filled. There's a difference between inviting people into the house of the Lord and compelling them. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really hard to just compel somebody with just your words if they don't know you at all. But when you're able to, to let your light shine and you're able to, to have an attraction where they're, they're seeing something different in us, then that's when we're able to compel them. Or you can take the actual word compel and physically bring them, but I don't encourage that. Let's not bring them against their will, but. Right. I, I think let's, let's use this. Um, there's a set of parables in Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn there, uh, we're going to, we're going to just kind of go through some of these. We may not read, uh, read them in, in full, 
at least the, the one of the prodigal son, may not read in full. But there's these three parables that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 that are all about the lost. And so as we try to define, you know, what does it mean to love the lost? The first thing that we probably should ask is, who are the lost? Who are the ones that that would be defined as being lost? And Jesus is talking to some uh, to some publicans. Uh, I'm sorry, he's talking to some Pharisees and the scribes uh, here. And uh, this is after they had seen him mingling with the sinners, the people who they would say. Uh, you shouldn't be with them. And Jesus begins to come into this dialogue about the, the idea of, of there being lost people that we are, uh, that, or that God is, is compelling them to come in. And so he starts here with this first parable of the lost sheep. And I'm just going to read this one. In uh, Luke chapter 15, begins in verse 3. It says that he spake this parable to them, and he was saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And so this is this first parable of the lost. There's, there's a set of three that Jesus will go through. But this first one that he starts with is this context of a shepherd. And he uses a shepherd um, talking about his sheepfold that was a sheepfold of, 90, or, uh, of 100. And he doesn't go through the full story of, of how this one was lost. But, but he says, let's suppose... That out of his sheepfold, there's one sheep that's lost. It's wandered. It's, it's some, somewhere out there. And what does that shepherd do? What, what does it say that it does? It says he leaves the 99 and he goes find, He goes to find him. Okay, so who is, who is the shepherd? In, in this story, who is the shepherd that is going to find the 99, or find that, that one sheep that is, uh, that is astray, that is not in, in the sheep? In the sheepfold. So I think a lot of times we read that and we say, oh, it's the shepherd. So that means that's the pastor, right? That's the one that's in charge of, of the whole flock. But me and pastor were discussing this earlier. And I believe that, it, that the one that goes and leaves is, is God. It's Jesus. He's the one that's going out to find the lost. Because what Jesus' job to do is he draws people in, right? right. He, he helps to, to bring them into the fold. And it's our job to, to, to show them love and to do these things. And we we're talking about it, but... In this parable, the, the, the shepherd, we always think, well, yeah, it's a shepherd's responsibility. He's in charge of the 100, right? So it's his job and it's his responsibility to go leave the 99 and go get the one. It's easy to pass the responsibility on to other people and to say, well, it's their responsibility because of what position they hold. But God has called us to be the, the light and the salt, right? He has called us to be witnesses first and foremost. And so when, when we read this parable... I read it in a different way this week, and I said, God, if I have responsibility over my, my community, over my family, over my friends, over my law, then if there's a lost person in my area, that's my responsibility to, to make sure that I notice that they're lost. It's not my responsibility to, to, to drag them back in. God, you've got to be the one to work on their heart and get them ready. 
but I have to notice them to the point where I can go find them and help them to come back in. I think really all of us do, in, in one sense, hold that, um, hold that responsibility of a shepherd, of coming alongside somebody. What does, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd is, is somebody who is nurturing, somebody who is who's caring, who is loving. That's, that's what a shepherd is. A shepherd is the one who they care for the sheep. They care for, for somebody who is, who is down. And, and we can see in, in the whole of Scripture that this is the responsibility of all of us, that, that we are to, to show love, to express love to those who are hurting, to express love to the, to the ones who they are. Uh, they have been, uh, they're, they're down, they're out, they're, um, they're not part of, of the sheepfold. And even in this, uh, I love how you started that out. Really, the shepherd uh, the chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. He is the chief shepherd. He is the one that's drawing. We, every single one of us is here because God drew you here. God, God drew you unto him. He says, says, I'm coming for, for you. And, and God drew you. Now, uh, in that calling, as he was calling you, you responded to the call. But God was the one who started it. God is the one. He, he loved me first. He expressed love towards me first, and he's calling. And so it is our responsibility to find somebody who they are beginning to respond to the call. And, and we'll see this. I, I want to uh, keep going through this these parables because uh, the first one we see is that lost sheep, the sheep that was, that was always lost, that one that, uh, that is out there, that is that individual that they need to come into the church, but they, they maybe, they've never experienced it before. I mean, they've never even been in the sheepfold, but, but God is drawing them in to where they belong. And so the next one is the lost coin. Before we get to that one, there's just one thing I wanted to point out with this, too, is the shepherd didn't love the one more than any of the, the 99. And that's important. He was giving them more attention because that's the one that had the need. And sometimes we think God's focusing on, on, on different people and he's not focusing on me. Well, it's because... Maybe we don't have the need, and we need, to, we need to have the mindset of God and the love of God to, to look where the need is. And also, there was, there was 99 that stayed behind, and this is the book of Josh because it's not in the Scripture, but sheep need a shepherd, right? So when he left the 99, someone had to be back and, and be responsible for him. Otherwise, when he got back, there wouldn't be 99 sheep. He'd have to keep going after some others. So some of us are called to go out and, and be witnesses and to be lights and, and to draw the lost in, and some of us are... are are called to, to keep out and look around, okay, who was not here last Sunday? Yeah. Who, who's drawn away? And I need to make sure that, that we don't let them get too far. We need to make sure that we still love them too because we need to love the lost, but we need to love the saints too. Like it's just as important. If we spend all of our focus on, on the lost that there's someone hurting in the building and we don't take the time to notice them, that's just as bad. We, we got to love everyone, but it's important that we don't just love the people in here, but we love the lost as well. Amen. Amen. That goes, that leads us perfectly into this next parable because the next one is about the lost coin. It says, uh, what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And uh, I had, I had never known, never known about this until I began to, to look into, uh, some commentary about this little passage here. 
that these 10 pieces of silver, it says, it says that this woman, she had 10 pieces of silver, that uh, what this is referring to is, uh, was the equivalent of what today is a wedding ring. That uh, at that time they had a band or they had a, uh, they had a bracelet that women would wear after being married that it had 10 coins of silver, it had 10 pieces of silver that were attached to that, that uh, bracelet, and that was the equivalent of a wedding ring today. And uh, to lose one of those pieces of silver, to lose one of those, those things that was hanging on that bracelet, it was, it was shameful. It was, it was something that, uh, you know, for them, they would, they would search everywhere to find that. It wasn't just, just one little piece of silver. It wasn't just her losing a little bit of money in this case. Uh, you know, I'm sure losing a piece of silver, you would still search diligently until you find it. But, but when you put it in the context of, of understanding that this is, this means more than just losing a little bit of money. This is part of, part of her wedding band. This is part of, of that thing that others are going to notice that she lost this because now she only has nine pieces, um, on, you know, hanging on that band. And so, She's seeking diligently to find it. She is doing everything that she can. But where was it lost? Where, where does it say this was lost? It was inside the house. It was, she lost this right inside of her home. And, and we see this happen. How, how often do we, do we see this happen? Right here inside the house. People being lost. Somebody who is lost right in the house. And per, perhaps you don't, you know, nobody else even notices that they're lost because they show up, they're here, but yet they're lost. And you can sit on a church pew and still be lost. And that bracelet represented her relationship, right? It was her vows. She didn't lose the entire relationship. She lost a little bit of it. But it was enough that it was shameful for her, and it was enough for she had to seek it out, right? If we're not careful, that's what happens in the churches. I don't believe overnight we just flip a switch and we say my relationship with God is completely different. But if we allow ourselves to lose just a little bit of that relationship and say, you know what, it's okay because I've still got the majority of it. I'm, I'm letting go of a little bit of, 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 a, of something that God wants for me and a little bit of what God has for me. When, when you start that and you get content with just losing a little bit, you're no longer lost in the house anymore. You're going to be lost outside. Right. We got to be careful to, to not be content losing anything. It doesn't matter, well, it's just a little bit and I can still do. No, she, she searched diligently. She got a light out. She wasn't going to give up because she said, it doesn't matter if it's just a small little thing that's going to affect my relationship. I can't have anything right. get in the way of that relationship. Right. I have to find it and I have to make it whole. That is, that is so good. That's that little bit. And, and we, can, we can even uh, cr- begin to crumble inside just by losing a little bit. There's, there's times... When you're like, uh, I'm completely lost. I've, I've, I've lost one little bit. And uh, what I want you to know is you can't, that one piece can be restored. It can be restored. Don't, don't crumble. Don't, don't let that, that one little piece that you have lost mean that you're just going to give up the rest. Begin to search diligently. But uh, what, I, what I love about this, this story is that when she did find it, when she had been restored, it says that her friends came and they rejoiced with her. In fact, we see this in each one of these parables, that when the lost is found, the whole begin to come around them and rejoice. That there is a collective element to this, to this loving the lost. 
There's, there's a, an, an individual responsibility. In each of these things, we see an individual responsibility that's placed upon reaching for the lost. But there's also the collective that when the lost comes in, that the collection, that the, the, the church comes around and they rejoice with it. Here we see even the angels rejoice at the one. And they rejoice, but it, no one's saying, but, but how did you lose it, right? No one, no one in this example went to the shepherd and said, how could you let one of your sheep get away? No one said that, how could you not value your relationship enough that you let one piece of silver go? No one cared, and no one was saying, oh, look at the mistake you made. Everyone was just rejoicing that, you know what, you're back to where you need to be. Right. And that's what's so important is, is we need to focus on that. And when, when someone comes in or, or when someone's lost, that it doesn't matter what, what happened in the past. We're just rejoicing that, you know what, you're where you need to be. Right. So how do, how do I love the lost? You, it's, it's not about focusing on, on the, the hurt. It's, it's not focusing on the, what they did to walk away. That to really love the lost is to, is to seek for restoration. In whatever capacity, let's, let's, let's have the door open for restoration. I want to leave the door open. If they made a mistake, I don't care how bad that, how egregious it was. The door is open for you to come back. And... And I, and I want to make that path back as easy as possible. And Amen. so that means if somebody has, has walked away and it seems as though, you know, their lifestyle is, uh, you know, is, is such that, that it's going to be a hard path back because there's such shame, you know, involved in whatever their, their lifestyle is that they're, they're living right now. No, I want to make sure to leave that, that, uh, door open for them to come back. And how does that, how do, how do we do that? We do it through loving, even when they are lost. It's not by cutting them off. It's not by, by saying, you know what, forget it. Uh, you know, you, you've walked away. Uh, I'm never going to talk to you again, or I'm, I'm going to just cut off all communication. No, we love the lost. You show and you express love. You continue to have relationship with people, even after they have walked away. And, and I understand, uh, that in the church, uh, that it's, it's easy to to have this uh, this conversation about protecting ourselves. Um, it's easy to to say we don't want to be tempted to to walk away from God. So uh, so make sure that that the people that you're hanging around are are going to be people who are uplifting, who are people who are going to uh, you know be encouraging. But wh- who did Jesus hang around? Who was, who was Jesus a friend of? And it doesn't say that he was just friendly to the sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. The, the Pharisees didn't have an issue when Jesus was preaching to the lost. They were fine with that. In, in the beginning of uh, Luke 15, in verse 2, it says, They got mad when they said, This man receiveth sinners, and he eateth with them. So he, we're fine. You, Jesus, you can, you can preach to the lost. You can reach the lost, whatever. But you're going to have a relationship with the lost? No, you can't do that. That's the tough part. And, it, and there's this, this balance with, with Jesus, too, because, yeah, he surrounded himself with people that were in, in corrupt, immoral lifestyles because those were the ones that needed him. But he also had a core group of believers and a support system with him with the, with the disciples, and that's, to me, that's what's key is, yes, we need to love the lost, but if you don't have a core support as well to back you up, right. 
then it, it, then that's when you might just go away yourself. But when you have that support system there to help you, then then he said, yeah, I'm not afraid to sit down with with people that are are immoral or going through tough thing, things because I can show them a way and I can show them truth and I can I can help their lives and I'm not going to be tempted be, to go follow after them because guess what I've got 12 guys that I'm accountable to. So are we accountable to anybody in our lives? Yeah. There was something at men's conference he said yesterday, Brother Hoffman said, is there someone that has veto power in your life to the point where if they told you no, you would listen to them? And if not, then that you need to find one. I think that that's true for us. If we're going to reach the lost, we, have, we need to make sure we're still accountable to somebody that says, hey, listen, you can, you can reach them, but you're starting to drift a little bit. We need to reel that back in. Right. That's so important. I think... As, as we continue in that, in that vein of, of being um, with people, being with the lost, having relationship with the lost, um, you think about conversation. And conversation is different when you have relationship. And what, what, what we need to do in order to love the lost, be real. Be approachable. Be Be honest. Don't put yourself up on a pedestal that hides all of your flaws. And, and now that doesn't all, that doesn't also mean that you, uh, that you begin to glorify your past and glorify the sin that you, that you, you know, maybe even, uh, struggle with now. It's not to glorify that, but I want to be honest. I want to be able to talk to them and be able to share a testimony of restoration, to be able to share a testimony of, of what uh, what God has done in my life and to talk with them, not to them. Yes, that right there is the, is a key to loving the lost in order to love the lost, talk with them. And there needs to be conversation on their level where, where you actually care about them, right? Josh, I know that you have, you have great friends that they're not here in church. In fact, yeah, I, I know last night you were there with uh, with a lot of, uh, friends that they're not in church and, and it was just conversation about baseball. You were at a, a fantasy baseball draft last night and you say, well, you know, why do we, why do we do something like that? It's because I want relationship with people that they need Jesus. And that doesn't mean that every conversation that I have with them is about Jesus. Because if every conversation that you have with them is about Jesus, then you're just talking to them. You're not talking with them. And if every conversation you have with them is about Jesus, then those conversations become fewer and fewer. Yeah. you got to have a, a, a point where they want to come to you and talk to you about things. And when you sprinkle a little bit of, of God and, and wisdom into their life, they're willing to receive it because they know, hey, you care about me as a person. You're not just looking for a chance to, to, to give me a Bible study or to preach to me, but you actually care about me as a person. But here's, here's the key with all of this. So we, we don't want to just, just say... All right, just just have a bunch of friends, and you know, let's you know, it's, it's in a place where where Jesus can't come up because to really love, let's let's go back to what we mean with love. To love is is an action that compels. Love is an action that says I'm going to be Jesus to them, and so and so when when you see God begin to work on them, or you see an opportunity, uh, a, a door open for a spiritual conversation, step into that. You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to make this. Uh, you don't have to preach to them, but let's, let's, when the door opens for a spiritual conversation, I want, because of the relationship that's there, I can be real with them 
and I can begin to tell them about what God has done in my life, and I can I can tell my testimony, uh, you know, of how God has brought me out of different situations, and and that is that is loving the lost. That is based out of relationship that then comes to a place where they are compelled to come in because they say, I need what you have. And there's an intentionality behind that is we need to get to the point where we're praying, God, give me open doors. Give me times to witness to somebody. Give me, give me a chance to, to show your love to people because when we're intentionally praying, God, use me to reach them, then that's when we're really loving them and that's when God's going to do it. Because I think sometimes we think, well, it'll just happen on its own. Sometimes it does, but a lot of times it's because we're praying and we're investing our, our, our time in, into them behind the scenes, and then God opens the doors then. Let's, let's go into this, um, this third parable here uh, in this set of, of those parables about the lost. And I'm not going to read this just because this one's much lengthier than the last two, but it's this parable, parable of the prodigal son. This man, he has two sons. Um, I think most, most here, you, you know the story, but I'll, I'll try to summarize it. Uh, so he has two sons, uh, and uh, in that culture of that day, uh, the, the, the inheritance will be passed on to the sons. And so this, this father um, has the one younger son come to him before he's passed away, and he says, hey, I want my inheritance now. Uh, the father grants it to him. He goes, he leaves, his, leaves the father's house. He wastes it all, and, and it ends up, um, you know, thinks he has a bunch of friends. His friends, his friends all... Uh, they all leave him. They abandon him once he doesn't have any more money, and eventually finds himself in a, a pigsty, feeding the pigs, living there. He doesn't have a place to stay, and when he's there, he finally comes to himself and he says, "I'd be better off as a servant of my father's house than I would right here where I'm at. So I'm just going to go and see if my father would take me as a servant." And so he begins to come, and he, he, he walks back to his father's house, head hanging low. But what happens when he begins to come? It says that once his father saw him, he didn't wait for the son to come to him. He ran out to him and he met him with open arms and, and he embraced him. And that's what we love is, is what, once he, didn't, he didn't wait for him to come all the way in and say, apologize and do all these things. But once he saw that your desire is to come home, then I'm going to meet you as quickly as I can and I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to welcome you back. Amen. So he's, so we see, uh, you know, that, that other part of that story is that the father didn't go chasing after him, uh, when he was out. When, when, when he wanted to, to live that lifestyle, uh, I'm sure that the father was home and he was praying for his kid. And so we have, we have that aspect. When we talk about really loving the lost, I want us to do, to remember two things. That one aspect of that is, is to pray for the lost. And there's, there's a component of this that's behind, behind closed doors that you pray for the lost. But if they're not ready for the conversation, if they're not ready, if, if, if they're not responsive to God drawing them in, then whatever that you do to try to draw them in to God, it's probably not going to work because they're not ready. And it can even strain your relationship with them, and, and it, it causes some frustration. Me and my wife were having a conversation about somebody that we were like, we keep reaching out, we keep reaching out, we keep doing, and we just don't know what to do anymore. And we were talking about this passage, and God kind of just said, you don't need to do anything anymore. You keep praying. I'll draw them in. You just be ready. Yeah. You just be ready. And you keep, you keep looking. I guarantee that that dad every day went to the door looking out expecting his right. son to be there. Right. He had an right. expectation that it was going to happen. And that's the thing we have to do is sometimes we have to say, you know what? I love you enough to let you fail. 
I love you enough to let you go through some tough times. I love you enough to get to the point where you know that it's only going to be God that can do something. And when, as soon as you come to that realization, I'm going to be the first one to run out, give you a hug, let you know that I love you, let, let you know that it's okay, let you know that, that it, it's so good to have you home. Amen. Amen. I want to, our time has flown, flown by this morning, but there was uh, one more parable that I wanted to get to. Um, and in fact, we had a discussion on this. We were driving down to the men's conference on Friday morning and uh, Todd Fairchild, he, he brought up this, uh, I think he was the one that brought it up, but this parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, we talked about the, this, this ministry that, that we have, a responsibility that we have. And in this parable of the Good Samaritan, we look at the different people, right? There's, there's uh, uh, one, two, three, four. There's, there's five people that are involved in this parable. You have, uh, you have the one who he was, I, I guess there, if you count the thieves, there'd be more. But there's one that he, uh, he was stripped of his raiment. He was beaten. He was left half dead. So you have the one that was hurt. He was there. He's broken. He needs somebody to come and to rescue him. And then you have the, the priest and you have the Levite that they come by. They see this man that's laying there half dead and they pass by. They're too busy. They, uh, you know, they, they say, you know, I'll leave that for somebody else. And then you have the Samaritan. Okay. The Samaritan comes. He binds up, binds up the wounds. He cares for him. He sets him upon, uh, sets him upon his donkey. And where does he take him? Takes him to the end. He takes him to the end. And so this is the fifth person that's involved in this is the innkeeper. The innkeeper is there. And, uh, and, uh, the, the Samaritan, he leaves this, this man who he had bound up his wounds and he leaves him with the innkeeper. And what does he say to the innkeeper? He, he tells him to take care of, take care of him while he's gone and that, uh, anything that he owes him when he comes back through, he'll, he'll take care of. So he, he trusts the innkeeper and says, listen, I'm going to give you some money now, and I want you to take care of him. I need you to get him back on his feet. But if there's anything else that I owe you, I'll get you back when I come through. And so we can, if you, if you look at this, I think so often we, we place ourselves uh, in, in, in the role of, this, of the Good Samaritan, the one who came, and he bound up the wounds. I think we could also, at times flip it a little bit and put us in the role of the one who was laying there half dead, right? Anybody ever been there? You needed somebody to come and rescue you. You needed somebody to come and to, to help you out. And, and I think there's, there's times that we, can, we ought to, uh, to realize that I'm in need of somebody to come and to rescue me and to, and to help me get back up on my feet and, and so there, there are times, uh, you know, reading through this that, that you put yourself in that role. But I think that really the role of the church, when we are functioning the way that God intended us to function, we are the innkeeper. Yes. 100%. And Jesus is the one who first met the, met the man who was half dead. Jesus is the one who bound up the wounds. Jesus is the one who used the oil to come to, 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 to heal the, you know, the, the bruises and the scrapes and, and, and everything that was, that was hurt there. And Jesus is the one who brought him to the innkeeper, the church. He's the one who brought him to you. And now he said, I'm leaving him with you. And there's a whole lot of responsibility now. Yes. 
That's a lot of responsibility that Jesus is placing on the church, on the innkeeper, to say, now it's up to you to continue caring for the lost, to continue caring for the one who is half dead. I did what I could do. I, I did, and now I'm going to give you everything that you need to do it. Everything that you need to care for him, it's, it's already here. I'm leaving it with you. But if you feel like there's something else that you need, don't worry. I'll come and I'll supply it. We can't heal broken hearts, right? We, we, we can't do these people that, 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 that are in need. It's not our job to be able to one to fix them. It's God's job to do that. It's our job to be there just to support and to love them and to help them as much as we can. And I guarantee uh, the reason why, why he put that in the parable, he says, well, if there's anything else I owe you, then I'll, I'll, I'll get you on my way back. Is because when we care for the lost, God gives us everything we need. But sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something as well. Because we got to have faith to say, God, I thought you were going to show up by now. God, I thought, I thought this was going to be done by now. And, and, but I'm going to trust that you're going to come back. And I'm going to trust that, that you're going to handle the situation. I'm going to trust that, that you're going you're gonna to be able to, to make them whole. And I'm going to keep my keep in their lives in the meantime and do all I can to make sure that when you're, when you're ready for them, God, that they're still here and they're still in a place where you, you need them to be so that you can finish the work that you started. Amen. Amen. We're, we're already past time here this morning, but I want us just to close your eyes all around this place and, I, and just lift up a hand. And I want us to begin to just pray for, for that, uh, that individual maybe that uh, God has already placed in your path. He's already placed them in your path, and, and you know that God is working on them just a little bit here and there. Maybe they're in a spot right now where, where they've, they've kind of reverted, and, and they're, not, they're not at a place right now where they're, where they're responsive to God's call. But, but you know that God is drawing them, and you know that God has placed you in their path for a reason. And if you could, just, just lift up a hand, and we're just going to pray. You can call out their name. God... Help them right now. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, that you would use me, God, to be a vessel, Lord, that you would, that you would use me, Lord, to, to really show your love, God, in a tangible way. Now help me not to cut things off or help me, Lord, to, to uh, make sure that the relationship, it stays, it stays there, Lord, through the, through the hurt, through the pain, God, through, um, God, through the, the time that, that it takes, God, and the investment that it takes in loving them. God, let me love them well. Lord, I pray that you would begin, Lord, to do what you, what only you can do, and that's to draw them. God, would you begin, Lord, to, to draw them, Lord, in, in whatever capacity, Lord, then I could be inserted into that equation, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak when that time comes. God, that I would be present, that I'd be ready. God, it says to be instant in season and out of season. Lord, help me to be instant. Help me to be ready. God, when they are responsive to you, Lord, let me be as that father who is waiting at the door, Lord, and he saw his father, or he saw his son coming home. Lord, I pray that there would be those fathers who are here today. God, those, those people, those individuals, Lord, that stand in that role of the father, that when they see the lost coming home, Lord, that they would, that they would run to them, that they would be there to, to, to welcome them home. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would just let the sinners come home. God, that you would let the, let the lost be found. Now let the lost be found, Lord, and if we can play a part, God, let us play. 
a pivotal role in seeing this house full. God, I want to see this house full. God, you are so good. You are drawing us today, Lord, if there's somebody even in this house right now, God, that is as that lost coin. 